break that boundary and really be open to humanizing what we're going through, because that in the end, not only benefits the patients, but to us too, we found a way to make ourselves heard amongst all this that's going on. Yeah, that vulnerability, the humility, the Mm -hmm. humbling yourself, it takes courage to do that. Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast. I'm Kim Skorupski. We're doing the Triple H, Habits and Hacks from Hopkins. And on today's episode, Dr. Zainab Obedi. Zainab, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Kim? Well, I'm just so happy now, especially hearing your smile, because I can hear your smile through the airwaves here. I was so pleased when you volunteered to my request to do the podcast with us today. Would you please start with telling everybody what you do here at Hopkins? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thank you, Kim, for inviting me. I feel like this is my second home being here. (laughs) So yeah, my name is Zainab Abedi, and I am currently a nephrology fellow here at Hopkins. I'm six months in into nephrology fellowship. Uh, Before that, I was a hospitalist at Bayview Hopkins for two years, and I did a medical education fellowship because I love teaching, and I still do, but I did a bit of a career change into nephrology. Now I'm here. So again, thank you so much for having me. Well, no, thank you, because I know we all know time is so valuable. And so I thought it would be really kind of encouraging and inspiring to figure out what makes people successful. And it's got me, you know, thinking about the, you know, the the habits, the practices, the routines that we all develop. And and clearly with all your diverse interests and the way you've kind of shifted gears a little bit, I'm really looking forward to, you know, what you want to share with your, your little pearls of wisdom. So what would you like to share with the podcast audience today? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, this year if it has taught us anything, but it's been one of the most challenging years yet. And it definitely gave us moments of reflection, trying to see what is important to us and how could we live day to day, again, maintaining our jobs and our social circles. So when working here at Hopkins, I noticed that one of the most important things is to acknowledge that this year has been difficult because, you know, initially when it started, we were kind of in denial, like this is going to get better, you know, uh, let's just wait and see what happens. But, you know, the reality is, is that we're in a pandemic and it's only um, evolving and we're still in the thick of it. So I think the first thing is to acknowledge that this is happening and there's no running away from it. So how can we make the most of it? One of the things that really helped me cope is finding joy at work. And I think this has been a challenge, especially with the COVID situation that we're, you know, now um, being asked to cover different floors to help out with the COVID patients. But to me, I always gravitate and go back to what is my joy at work? How do I find that? And one of the things uh, that I noticed, and it's really simple, is to connect with your patients, with your employee, with your employers at work. And one of the questions that I always start with, whether it's with a patient encounter or meeting up with a fellow or a colleague is, Simply, um, you know, how's, how's, you know, COVID and the situation um, treating you or how are you handling it? I think that's an icebreaker. And the answers that you get can sometimes be entertaining. You know, some people are more light about it and, and kind of really brightens up your mood to see that 
people are in this together. We're all having the same struggles sometimes. And at the same time, it also gives you a perspective as to how that person is handling it and how they're dealing with it. And that also gives you a chance to connect with them and really build that relationship too. Well, Zainab, how how do you discern the, I don't want to say the integrity of the answer, but the honesty mm-hmm. of the answer because you know that we all have the whole mm-hmm. how you doing i'm fine never better <laughs> and how are yeah. you doing great couldn't be better yeah. and then walk along our merry little ways and inside you know we're dying um so how right. do you establish that trust or or build that practice where or maybe it pausing and, and allowing space mm-hmm. to know the people that you really do want to know the answer. And it's not just a meant like, lady, I would, didn't really want to know how you're doing. I wanted you to say, I'm fine, thank you, and move along your <laughs> way. Yeah, I think it, it is all about, and sometimes it is difficult. I'm not saying it's easy to do, but I think you also have to pick the right time and place and certain patients or people to ask that question to, simply because some people are there just to get business done and leave. And so you don't have that opening to connect at that level. But I think for the most part, at least for me, from my experience, is that initially the response is, no, everything is okay. And then there might be a pause, but then I, I lean forward, you know, kind of like the nonverbal cues that, and really connect with them at eye level and go like, no, really, like, tell me, how's it going? Or if that doesn't work, I would share a story. It's like, oh, I'm glad that you're handling it really very well. Because from my standpoint, I have been going through X, Y, Z, and, and what are your thoughts on that? So so I have different ways to maybe kind of put myself out there to see if they're willing to share or just pause and, and re-ask in a different way. And, and sometimes that approach really shows patients that you're really genuinely trying to hear more from them. And, and the same thing with, with uh, colleagues, you know, they, they appreciate you asking again because sometimes that's all that it takes to really open up and connect. With that level. Well, I, I love that honesty that you clearly impart by getting, you know, the, the eye level Thank is important. You. So you're not, it, it's one thing when someone, I remember when I was living in Chicago and I commuted from the far west suburbs into the city mm-hmm. and I was like the first stop. So the O-Dark 30 train and I'd be my favorite seat next to the window. And then as we go through Naperville and everybody else would jump on and this one guy like plopped down next to me and had his phone and just started talking. And, and, and I wasn't sure if he was mm-hmm. talking to me or had an earbud in or what, because it was, it was quiet enough, but it was kind of, he was having a conversation. And, mm-hmm. and then he said something yeah. like, so, so I guess you're not really talkative. And then I kind of looked and I said, Oh, you're talking to me. And he said, well, of course. And I thought, well, I said, well, no, it wasn't. Of course. I really didn't realize you're talking to me. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. but, but that whole, you know, especially if clinicians, if you have the computer in front of your face and you're charting and you're multitasking and you're not really looking at someone and you say, how are you? That to me as a patient tells me, fine, never better transactional relationship. Mm-hmm. Let's get her done. Boom, 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 boom. Versus what you're saying is, eye to eye, pausing, mm-hmm. giving space and looking at them and waiting for an answer and then saying, oh, really, I'm glad you're doing well. I'm kind of struggling today or it's been tough. Mm-hmm. My kid's school closed down and I'm at wit's end. And that sharing, I can envision mm-hmm. 
your patients, your colleagues, your trainees kind of exhaling and going, oh, oh, she's for real. This is not Mm -hmm. the slap a smile on your face and tough it out kind of a question. She really is setting a space for me to to be honest. So I love your honesty, Zainab. Thank you so much. Yeah. And and I think you just triggered a memory too that happened recently. I was I got a consult. I was going to see a patient, you know, walking through Hopkins. The hallways are huge. And I just remember that there was a person next to me. She I think she was a nurse and she was walking alongside me and we just we didn't know each other. And I sensed that she was also in a hurry. So we had a conversation in route to getting to our, you know, destinations. And, you know, I opened up about, you know, this, I have expectations. I'm really worried and I'm on my way to see her. And, and then she actually shared something in route. And again, mind you, we don't know each other. We just know that we're, you know, walking towards a, a certain destination. And, and what she said was that, oh, yeah, you know, today I also had a rough day and I, I'm the head of anesthesia and I just had to tell like the surgeons that we're cutting back on surgery um, in the light of COVID. So to me, even though that she shared something that I might have not been impacted by, but it really gave me that sense that we're really in this together. Like this is not just me struggling. It's on a bigger scale. And so when I went to see my patient, I was a little bit more lighthearted. Even though it was like a five minute encounter, but it really made that difference that I connected with someone and we shared something special. I might not see that person again, but that experience that we had together both made us feel better, if that makes sense. Oh my gosh, that is a beautiful reminder, Zainab. (laughs) It's just so important Mm -hmm. that we all have a story. We all have a story. And in in, in our story, Mm -hmm. there are multiple layers of stories and every day is Mm -hmm. a story. And when we're all inside of our own heads and so focused on the next, the next, the next, the next, whatever, running through life, as you said, just a casual diverting your eyes to the human being standing next to you or walking next to you. Absolutely. And you didn't have to stop and have a cup of coffee or introduce yourself or it was just a statement, another statement, and this awareness Mm -hmm. of, I see you, I hear you, I feel you. Mm -hmm. And okay, let's go get it. (laughs) And that probably made exactly so good. And it made you, like you said, just being able to talk to another human being and say, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we, we got this, mm-hmm. we got this. It's it's really affirming. Exactly, for sure. Um, I think we put ourselves in silos sometimes, you know, bearing the brunt of the burden of, of coping with our stress and then serving our patients. And, and it doesn't have to be that way. I think we have to break that boundary and really be open to humanizing what we're going through because that in the end not only benefits the patients but to us too we found a way to kind of make ourselves heard amongst all this that's going on yeah that vulnerability the humility the Mm -hmm. humbling yourself is it takes courage to do that and I, th- I think Absolutely. other faculty members who are listening to this say yeah that's 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 wonderful and yet how do you balance that with superiors or the people to whom you report when you're maybe mm-hmm. afraid that they're not, they don't want to see that vulnerability. They don't want to see that, that fear, that, that anxiety. They, um, I, don't know, I guess I th- I'm thinking, I guess sometimes the, the different bosses I've had over, mm-hmm. over the years who, who it wouldn't be appropriate for me to say something because 
I guess I guess what I'm getting at is maybe some level of emotional intelligence. And you kind of hearken to this earlier where you there's certain, you know, it's a time and place for something and you get a you you mentioned like some patients it is transactional or a boss or a meeting or a quick, mm-hmm. you know, drive by in a hallway. You don't need to get that deep. Or if your your section director, your department director, chairperson is mm-hmm. really focused on finances or the dean, you're not going to hit them up with this you know, serious mm-hmm. conversation. It's, it's, uh, they have so many things on their plate. You don't want to burden them with one more. So maybe that would be an instance where, well, I'm not going to hit him or her up with this thing. It's kind of deep. She looks like she's really having a tough day. So I'm going to restrain myself and I'm going to say, no, I'm doing all right. How are you doing? So that, I mean, how, what do you think about that? And what would you advise to some maybe very junior faculty member trainee who's like, well, I, I don't feel like I can be that honest that they may think like think I'm not good enough or I can't hack it. Yeah, so I think it's always a challenge. I'm, I'm not going to lie to, especially if you're a junior faculty, um, you also want to maintain that image that, you know, you've got your, your stuff together and you don't want to, you know, expose that vulnerability. But I think, you know, when it comes to superiors, um, they, yes, I mean, for the most part, they carry themselves so well, and sometimes they might not choose to disclose what they're personally going through. But what I use is really just observe their behavior, because um, we're dealing with faculty almost all day, at least for me in nephrology. You know, you work with them, you know, for like six, ten hours a day, and and there will be a time during that day where they would have you know, some sort of opening of them disclosing something to you. Um, and, and I think I always keep that in the back of my mind as to, oh, now they're sharing something with me right now. So now is my moment to ask them, like, how are they doing or how are they handling the situation? So to me, I find observing behavior is very important because it gives you kind of like the right place, right time to really open up these topics and really connect at a deeper level. Yeah, that's that's situational awareness. You're making me think of when right. we talked about the the Myers Briggs and Exactly. And, yeah, you yeah. know, and just like understanding people's personality <laughs> preferences and their communication mm-hmm. styles and and just the, the mood mm-hmm. of the day or, you know, what happened that at that time or the schedule during the day, like you're saying, that kind of ability to step back, read mm-hmm. the room, read the situation read the patient or the trainees, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, where what, what the space is like, what's the energy like? And then you're right, within 10 minutes of a meeting of when someone's just come out of a bad meeting, you know, the energy level may kind of calm down, people may relax a mm-hmm. bit, or the patient encounter, things will smooth out. Or later in the day, like you said, you see the boss again, and it's a different moment, you know, they've had their, you know, right. their food and So, yeah, they're just looking for opportunities, I think, is a really nice Mm -hmm. way of saying that it's not just a a one and done. They're, they're, so not, can't be so quick to like give up. Well, I tried, you know, last, you know, three Tuesdays ago, I tried and they ignored me. Well, it's a a matter of, you know, again, that situational awareness, maybe not right now. Exactly. And I think it's just a hump. So once you get over that, it's like sometimes the floodgates are open. Um, so I have like, you know, trainees or residents texting me later on going like, hey, Zainab, thank you so much for, 
X, Y, and Z, I feel much better. Or even sometimes they just text me about their own patients, you know, asking for advice or how to handle a certain situation. So I feel like what I get that response is that I finally, you know, at some point I connected with them and I gained their trust. And to me, that's invaluable. And I think it's worth it. It's worth waiting, observing, and, and really being situationally aware because after that, what comes after that is so rewarding on so many levels. So it is worth the investment, if you were to say. Oh, Zainab Obedi, you, you're so <laughs> wise. You're so wise because you're reminding me about patience as well. The patience mm-hmm. of not, or, or feeling badly, like, oh, that didn't go well, or they didn't take it, or she didn't get it, or he, he didn't, you know, answer me, or he looked at me funny or strange, or they cut, they cut me off. Mm-hmm. But the patience of knowing that if you act with, integrity and authenticity, it may, it, whatever the it is, may not happen in this moment or this afternoon or this week. But just like you Mm -hmm. said, the getting the text later or the email next week or the meeting in two weeks when the patient comes back, now you've built that, that bedrock and, and there they see you again with the same smile, that same big heart the same eye to eye contact. And they're like, yes, now I trust her. This is familiar to me. I know her, she sees Mm -hmm. me and then they might open up. So you don't give up. And I, I love that you Mm -hmm. just taught me again, another important lesson about being patient. Right. Exactly. And I think, you know, it's, it's a continuum. It doesn't stop. I don't think you, you could switch it off. It's always there, at least for me. So it's just a matter of, Again, just being patient, like you said, and, and waiting for the right moment. Mm. So good. Love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you're wonderful. Is there anything you'd like to leave with us before we um, end our episode today? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just a word of advice, because again, we're all learning from all this. Um, I think you also have to take care of yourself. I think, you know, as healthcare workers, we tend to have this aspirational goal of, of helping everyone around us. But at the end of the day, really take time to, um, you know, focus on what's important to you. And I think this pandemic has really, at least for me, shifted my focus as to what's really important for me, what should I focus on? And how do I keep my glass full, you know, um, and, and that comes with spending time with family, reading a good book, and, and how do you sustain yourself to help others around you? I, I don't think that we get that a lot. So just, just try to keep that in mind and really try to focus on what matters to you and how could you stay motivated throughout all this. That's right. That's, that's so important because I think as healthcare folks, um, we're all about self-sacrifice mm-hmm. and service and we we right. we came here because we want to serve and the feeling is mm-hmm. like i'm not doing enough and i should be doing more and it's the whole coulda shoulda woulda exactly. and the exactly. recognition that well you you can work 24 hours a day if you want but you're not going to be able to sustain that and then you're going to start right. you know falling down on things and you won't be doing good work and you're going to be a wreck and then you know game over so that that exactly. renewal and recharging and remembering what makes you joyful and happy and engaging in hobbies and things that you love doing as a kid that will you know mm-hmm. spark that fire that interest to keep to sustain us during the the yucky times absolutely 
Well, this that's is all good. I got for today. That is, that is, are you kidding me? That is, that is wonderful. It's, a, it's such a, I love doing these and you, again, I'm just smiling because I can see your smile. And that is just another reminder that even if we can't be physically close, we can be socially and emotionally close. And um, you, you've taught me some important things. And I'm sure everybody else out there mm-hmm. in the Faculty Factory podcast land also has learned a lot from Dr. Zainab Obedi. Till the next time, join us next time on the Faculty Factory podcast. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.